Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 We praise God. God bless you, Linda. Wonderful, wonderful job. <clears throat> we bless God for uh, how you touch on everything every week. And we appreciate your faithfulness to your call. <clears throat> one, one of the things that um, we need right now is to see more people faithful to their assignment. And uh, that's one of the challenges that's happening in the world. That's, as you were praying for our nation and for our leaders, uh, if we all were more committed to our assignments, I think we would see some significant differences in what's going on in the world, and we wouldn't have so much confusion. So I, I do appreciate your commitment and your faithfulness to your assignment, and we thank God for you. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. My name is Pastor Thomas Rich. This is Monday Night Bible Study. Uh, along with us tonight is Pastor Lester Hayes and his wife, Pastor Sharon Hayes, Pastor Michael Ellis, and his wife, Pastor um, Ellis, as well. My wife, Pastor Joanne. And I thank God for all of the ministers, all of the officers and leaders in ministry. Um, and for all of those who are here because you believe in the power of prayer and you believe in the Word of God. It's our privilege tonight to continue teaching and sharing from the Word of God on the names of Jesus Christ. Um, <clears throat> we started uh, our teaching several weeks ago on uh, the root of David. And we're going to continue on that tonight. Um, as we look at this particular name, I think tonight you're going to discover more and more, hopefully some things that maybe you did not know. Uh, if you knew them, maybe we can shed some light upon them, enlighten your understanding upon more of the name of Jesus as it relates to the root of David. So if you would, Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you and bless you for the privilege of this hour tonight. God, we want to grow nearer to you. We want to grow mightier in you. We want your power and anointing to, to come upon each of us, God, so that we are mighty emissaries for you in the world that we live in. God, we're, we're living in a dark world, a corrupt world. But you said that you are the light of the world. And God, your call is that uh, you said that we also ought to be the light of the world, that a, a basket set upon a hill cannot be hidden. And so, Lord, tonight we ask you to help us as we grow in your word to allow the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to reflect off of us, from you, off of us, into a dying and dark world. God, let this teaching tonight uh, be very powerful toward helping us to be brighter lights for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we honor you and we thank you and we bless you for this as I yield and ask you to take charge. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. So family, we've been talking about the root of David. And tonight, <clears throat> I want to 
continue by following up on this connection between these two brothers, this David and Jesus. And so tonight I'm going to start uh, with the shepherd connection. You know that uh, a shepherd is often referred to throughout Scripture. And uh, David was a shepherd boy. And, and Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd. And so tonight I want to just do a little bit of, of investigation into the shepherd connection between David and the Lord Jesus Christ. So our opening uh, verse or scripture lesson for the evening is going to be taken from John chapter 10 and verse 7. And in that verse it says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, let's talk about that for a moment. I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is using a picture from sheep farming during his days on the earth. Uh, out in the pasture lands for sheep, they had what were called sheep pens. And they were made with only one entranceway. Uh, there was uh, one gate, one way into the pen, and you had to turn around and go back out that same way. There was no other entrance or exit way from the pen. Uh, the door of those pens, uh, actually, when you investigate uh, sheep pens during the time of Jesus, you will discover that the shepherd himself was actually the gate to the sheep pen. Um, he would lay his body across the entrance to, to, to keep the sheep in, but also to keep out the wolves. In other words, the shepherd was, in fact, the door. So when in John 10 and 9, he says, I am the door. And then he says, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So we started by saying that Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. But then in John 10, 9, he says, I am the door. And if you go in by me, uh, if you enter in, you shall be saved. And if you go in and out, you will find pasture. So let's look at verse 9 for a moment since it continues the theme of the door. He says, I am the door by me. In other words, by living in total relationship with me is what Jesus was saying. Uh, he was also saying, if any person, that is, the text actually means that if either a shepherd or a sheep, but this part of the interpretation does not actually distinguish between the shepherd and the sheep. He's saying whoever goes in or out. Uh, that person will be protected on the inside and they will have pasture on the outside. Uh, another name for that protection is salvation. When they come in and the shepherd uh, places himself as the gate to protect against anyone from coming in against his sheep, uh, that is a uh, uh, the demonstration of a salvific movement or behavior on the part of the shepherd. Uh, when he goes out, and you know the images of a shepherd leading his sheep 
out into pasture, meaning he's leading them so that they're able to find the sustenance that they need, that he watches and provides and makes sure that they have what they need to grow, to become stronger, to sustain themselves so that uh, they would have life and they, they would both also be secure. Um, if we continue to examine John 10 and 9, parts B and E reads like this. It says, By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The word saved or salvation in this text, uh, spoken of in the, in the text, is referring primarily to deliverance from dangers. That's what he's talking about when he said, shall be saved. Uh, that's also what he offers to us as we come to him, uh, as we move in with him. We find salvation, not just protection, but we have salvation because we have entered through him into the sheep pen. Uh, and so we have salvation that way. And the text also refers to deliverance from dangers and protection from the ravenous wolves from outside of the sheepfold and also from the false shepherds within the sheepfold. And that's important because um, all of us have, have known or have been in situations where we've seen people who have come up in the church and they presented themselves as if they were uh, men and women of God only to examine their words, their teachings, and discover that there was maybe another motivation, uh, that there was something else going on. And Jesus is saying, look, as the shepherd, as the gate, as the door, uh, and I'm, I'm protecting you from dangers, including ravenous wolves or ravenous wolves. That is that uh, when you come in, I'm responsible for overseeing you if you can maintain your connection to me, if you permit me to, to, to guide you, to instruct you, to, to watch over you, if you stay under the protection of my wing, uh, you are protected. I, I will help you to discern when you are at risk and I will go, I will take authority against them. But if you move out on your own, you have left the protection of the sheepfold that the, the, the gate himself has been put in place to protect you from, then you have stepped out on your own. The, the verse also says, go in and out. Uh, this is a phrase frequently used and during that time. Uh, and, and, and what it really meant was that you were free uh, to go in and out of your home, your place of abode, the place uh, where we typically expect to find uh, safety, security. He says, you're free to go in and out, but when you make your abode in the home that has been provided for you, that's where your protection is. That's where the benefit of being connected to the gate or the door the one who uh, is in place so that you can have the direction and have the protection that God has always planned for you. Uh, let me give you an illustration of that. Deuteronomy 28 and 6. Listen to this. It says, Blessed shalt thou be 
when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Uh, when thou comest in, what, what he's saying is, uh, you may be coming in from uh, you working your fields in that day, or today from whatever your occupation or your employment might be. But when you come in, you will find that you have been covered. I, I told you last week the word blessed meant to be in, to encompass, to be circled around, to be enclosed in. We are blessed because we have the, the protection and the covering of the Lord. And he says, blessed will you be when you come in. In other words, coming in from your employment, your occupation, whatever you have been doing, you will discover that evil. Uh, you've been protected from the evil that would try to come against you or your family, come against your dwelling place, even in your absence. The, the, the door uh, is there to cover you. The, 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 the gate is there to make sure that you're the only one that is able to come in. Anyone else that comes in, he's admitting them in because he has found them to be true and faithful to him. Then it, it says in Deuteronomy 28.6, when thou goest out. And, and basically what that means is, your way shall be made prosperous before you, and you shall have the divine blessing in all of your labors. Why? Because you retained, you maintained, you, you, you kept in a place, that intimate relationship. You allowed him to his word, his voice to speak into your life, to give you guidance and to instruct you uh, so that we know when to move and when not to move, which way to move and which way not to move. Uh, that's because as the, the, the gate, uh, as the doorway, uh, he is giving us what we need so that we are saved and protected. Um, there's a word that goes along with this, that's, uh, uh, that go in and go out. Uh, it's called salvific, S-A-L-V-I-F-I-C. Uh, uh, it, it literally means to be in a state of salvation, to be saved. And, and what he is claiming is that his, his share in the inheritance of the world and his home are both secure and is secure for the sheep who have entered through the gate. And so uh, we live in a, a, a salvific state because we have entered in through the gate. And he said, I am the gate. Listen, this is what he also said. He said, I will appoint a place for my people in Israel. Uh, what he was doing, God was promising that under David's reign, God would establish a permanent, secure Israel. And he promised this first uh, because he knew that David, being a godly shepherd, would put the welfare of his people first. So I'm drawing the connection. I'm, 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 I'm showing you both David and Jesus Christ. How does that work, uh, teacher? Well, it works like this. Um, David was a godly shepherd, but the shepherd of shepherds is the Lord Jesus Christ. David fits the picture because 
uh, as the shepherd that God had hand-selected. He, he felt that David would put the welfare of his people first, but ultimately the real shepherd always, uh, he was there from the beginning and always will be, and his purpose is the welfare of everyone who have connected themselves with God through his son, Jesus Christ. So, yes, David represents uh, a godly shepherd, but Jesus Christ is the shepherd, and he is the one who God sent uh, to give us direction, protection, uh, sufficient provision. He watches over and, and, and takes care of maintaining our welfare. So, um, David and Jesus as sh shepherds. Let's look at First Chronicles 17 and 7. We're going to see even more of this sheep thing going on here and this shepherd. In First Chronicles 17 and 7, it says, Now therefore, thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. So let's examine that. He says, I took thee from the sheep coat, or another name for that would be the sheepfold. And then he said, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people. In other words, y'all, God was about to make David an amazing promise uh, it was a promise that would probably be hard for David to believe. I mean, remember, David was just a shepherd boy. And if you remember, during that time, the shepherd was probably the lowest rung on the totem pole. I mean, sheep, shepherds were not thought highly of. They were not regarded. They barely were considered to uh, have a place in society. Uh, the shepherd was not a highly regarded person during that time. And yet God has chosen to use the shepherd, uh, the image of, the, of a shepherd, uh, to show us how much he loves us and how as his sheep and assigning his son Jesus Christ to be our shepherd, that, that uh, although he was lowly, and, and I think Zechariah said he was lowly, riding upon a donkey. Well, yeah, he was a shepherd, but he was a sign to look out for, to watch over, and to make provision for our welfare. So whether society thought highly of him did not matter. God had always thought that the image of the shepherd was important because it would give us the security of mind and heart of knowing that as we connect ourselves with him, that he becomes our protection, our security, our safe place. Uh, uh, the, the, the one, as in Psalm 91, he who dwells in the uh, secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, this is our safe place. And, and, and so when David w was being selected or, or being anointed as king, I can imagine because he was a shepherd, that it was a, a probably a, a great surprise to him. We know it was a surprise to his daddy, Jesse. We know it was a surprise to the rest of his family. But uh, David understood what a shepherd was. And so I suspect that that was a, a surprise for him as well. But to help David 
with context. I want you to see that the first thing that he did was to remind David of the many wondrous works and miracles that he had performed previously in David's life. If you remember when David was uh, came upon uh, the, the soldiers of Israel and they were uh, being harassed and, and embarrassed by that giant named Goliath, uh, it was because of what God had put in David when he was a shepherd out there in the wilderness with the sheep that David had the confidence and, and the, the, the knowledge of what to do when confronted by this Goliath named, uh, by this giant named Goliath. Uh, in other words, y'all, God was reminding David that the same God who was with him wherever he had gone before was the same God that was going to fulfill the promises uh, that he was making to David uh, and that he would, as he made him a shepherd, he would also, through the line of David, there would also be one who would become the shepherd or the savior of the world. So what was the promise that God was making to, to, to David? Let me just make sure I, I, I drive that in real clear. Uh, he said that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. That was in First Chronicles 17 and 7. From the NIV, it reads like this once again. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. Family, we're still talking about the root of David. 1 Samuel 16 and 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? And then he said, Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So I told you I was drawing a connection between the shepherd David and the shepherd that we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Samuel 16, we're pointing toward Jesus, but listen to this. He said, how long will you mourn over Saul? And I believe the message there is this. There is a time to mourn. But there's also a time to move on. I think Ecclesiastes says something about that. And then when, when God told Samuel to fill your horn with oil, I want you to put yourself in Samuel's position for a moment. And if you can place yourself in his position, this is probably what begins to fill your mind and your heart. You know that God has said to you, that you are the one who is assigned to anoint the king over Israel. And so, if you remember, when he anointed Saul, he poured oil over him and anointed him with oil. But now that he said, how long will you mourn after Saul? And then he goes on saying, look, I rejected uh, him as king over Israel. However, though I may have rejected Saul, I want you to get excited. Here's what I'm about to do. Fill your horn with oil and go. Why go? I want you to go to the house of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, 
Why am I going to Jesse's house? Because you're going to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king over Israel. So he said, what, how long will you mourn? Uh, but I said to you, there's a time to mourn and there's a time to move on. It was time for, Saul, for Samuel to stop mourning at the moment that God said, fill your horn. In other words, if you understood the moment, that moment should have excited Samuel's heart because at that moment it was saying to Samuel as it should be saying to you and me right now, uh, yep, uh, you might be disappointed. I have removed my anointing from Saul, but I have not removed my anointing from you. You are still important to me and I'm giving you an assignment to go to Jesse's house because there is one there that you're going to anoint. So fill your horn with oil and get ready because when you get there, one of his sons, and you know the story, family, he got there and he poured it over one son and uh, the Lord said no. He poured it over another son and the Lord said no. And he kept pouring it over. I believe he poured it over seven sons and none of them were the one. And Samuel had to say to Jesse, he said, wait a minute. He, he says, are these all? And Jesse said, well, you know, um, as a matter of fact, I, I do have one other son, but, but he's nothing but a shepherd boy. He's not even here. And, and Samuel, understanding his assignment, understanding that uh, when God told him to fill his horn and go to Jesse's house, uh, if that was the last son, Samuel could not help but say to Jesse, get him here because my assignment is to pour the oil over the one that God's going to anoint to be king. Uh, uh, Jesse wasn't expecting that. David wasn't accepting that, expecting that. The other sons did not expect it because he was what? A shepherd who was not highly regarded, not highly thought of. But God said, uh, you're going to find the next king in Jesse's house. So fill your horn. And I believe that that did excite Samuel somewhat because he realized that God wanted him to anoint someone else as the king of Israel. And he was going to find him according to God's instruction in the house of Jesse. Remember last week, y'all, I talked about uh, the root out of Jesse. Well, I told you that that was also Jesus Christ. Uh, I told you that David, the son of, da of Jesse, uh, was called the root. Uh, a root out of Jesse. And then Dave, Jesus became the root of David. And it is very likely that in hindsight, Samuel should not have been the only one that was excited when he, God told him to fill the horn with oil. Because this is what we all should remember in our relationship with God. And that is this, God will never, ever allow his work to die with the death or the failure of any man or woman. Uh, you can fail God, but his assignment doesn't die. I can fail God, but he's still going to finish his assignment. Saul failed God, but God said to Samuel, I, I'm not done. I told you that I, there's going to be a king that's anointed in Israel. Get on down to Jesse's house because you're going to anoint the next king right there. Now, if it is God's work, y'all, in other words, if I said that God won't allow his work to die, uh, then 
it goes beyond all of us. In fact, it's possible that uh, when he told Saul, I'm sorry, Samuel to stop mourning, uh, he probably, Samuel meaning when I say he, probably was doing what you and I might have done. He, he was probably paralyzed with his mourning because of Saul's tragic death. But I want you to get this as I get ready to close tonight. My failure, my disappointment, your failure, your disappointment, none of it paralyzes God. Uh, I, I don't believe it surprises him either, but it absolutely does not paralyze him. So although uh, Saul failed, God said, you got work to do yet. Go, excuse me, go and anoint. In other words, God's mind was still on his purpose, still on his assignment. And as a result, even though Saul was paralyzed in mourning, God was not paralyzed. He was still looking forward to what his assignment was. So I'm going to close with um, parts E and F of 1 Samuel 16.1. Uh, God told Samuel, I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Uh, Israel's next king, y'all, was found right there. As I told you, he, 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 he found David. And when he poured the oil over David, it became clear that this was the one that God was anointing to be the next uh, king of Israel. And, and here's what I want you to do. I, I, I told you I was drawing the connection between the two shepherds. Uh, Jesse was the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. And you say, well, teacher, why is that important? Well, first of all, we've already shared in previous lessons how genealogy was very important in Jewish history. And you guys might look all the way back to uh, uh, the grandmother uh, uh, of Jesse and re realize that uh, she wasn't somebody that was in the line. But ultimately, when God has a purpose that he intends to be accomplished, he can draw from wherever he chooses to draw in order to complete his assignment. And so he, he used a, a woman that uh, nobody else would have paid any attention to. She was an Ammonite woman. She, she really was uh, not highly thought of, highly regarded. Uh, but she connected herself with a woman named Naomi. And uh, after Naomi's husband and after her sons had died, and uh, Naomi was living in poverty as a widow and said, I'm going back home. There might be some hope at home that, that somebody, a kinsman redeemer or somebody might be able to help me, to keep me from dying of starvation and having to live on the street. And Ruth, recognizing that there was no promise, but she connected herself to Naomi, went back and she became ultimately the wife of Boaz. I don't have time to tell all of that story, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that uh, tonight because ultimately what you will discover is that Jesse was downline from this connection between Ruth and Boaz. David was downline from Jesse, who was downline from Ruth and Boaz. And when we talk about a root, a branch out of Jesse, 
and a, a root of David. That means that even the birth of Jesus Christ did not come through what might have been natural uh, direction, natural line of a kingship. It didn't look like the kingly line that we had talked about a week before last, but this was the line that the king of kings was going to be born in. This, uh, this was uh, Judah's line, but it was the line with all kinds of other folk in between, all kinds of other histories in between. But God was able to orchestrate because ultimately through this line was going to be born the line of the tribe of Judah, the, the, the branch out of Jesse, the, the root of David. Uh, the shepherd boy David became connected with the, the, the shepherd that we call Jesus Christ. He said, I am the good shepherd. And this evening as we started the lesson, he also identified himself by saying to us that he is the door. And if any man enters in, he shall be saved. He shall go in and out and find pasture. That is, he'll make provision for them. In John 10 and 7, he said, uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. So as I close tonight, family, we are the sheep. Uh, Christ is the door. He says, uh, if any man will come in, I will sup with him and he with me. So tonight, as I close, I just want you to remember that the root of David has identified himself as a shepherd, as God has given us multiple illustrations in the Old and the New Testament. He not only identified himself as a shepherd, but he also said, I am the passageway. I'm the doorway. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So John 10 and 7, we open there. We're going to close there. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And I told you that we were just going to look at the connection today of David and Jesus and the shepherd connection between the two of them. Uh, we'll continue looking at the root of David. There's so much more that is a part of that. But I pray that you've gained a lot this evening and that you can take this and that you can run with it. May God bless you, heaven smile on each of you, and give you peace. We're going to close right there. You can take your phones off of mute, and we look forward to hearing all of your responses.